Hey then, welcome back to Eclectish. We are now, of course, entering season three, which is about dualities, as I explained in the previous episode. So I'm going to be highlighting different and opposite spectrums, because I personally believe that having more than one perspective or seeing things in various ways can really help shape a more truthful, honest and correct society. So in order to celebrate the Divine Feminine for accomplishing so many things in the last couple of years, particularly in the last year or so, I wanted to dedicate an episode to them and catch a brief glimpse into what may have been our origins. Of course, I'm going to be talking about none other than the Sibyls and what may have been the origin of goddess culture. So grab a cup of tea, also water, and let's jump into the past, shall we? I'm mainly going to be focusing on the oracles that were depicted by Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel. However, there are walking priestesses to this day from every single country, continent and cultural background. There are high priestesses everywhere. Some focus on certain areas or jobs, others work more so individually, and many work in order to help the collective consciousness. But ultimately, they are all going pretty much in the same direction or with the same intent, which is aiding, guiding, and of course, preserving sacred knowledge through time. To better understand these wonderful women, we first have to know what a high priestess actually does. By definition, a high priestess is the following. A woman authorized to perform the sacred rites of a religion or a mediatory agent between humans and one or more deities. Essentially, a high priestess is a divine or chosen woman who is used as a channel by the divine in order to give a specific message, prophecy or glimpse into the future for the highest good of all. They are directly connected to source and practice sacred rites in order to maintain their spiritual authority intact. Here they would receive what we now call downloads and then proceed to share them with whomever needed them. A lot of priestesses were mainly visited by high-ranking people, particularly kings, etc. in order to get a look into the near future and what that meant for them. Of course, this didn't occur without some sort of payment. So many, if not all, oracles would accept donations from consultors. Now, there are some differences between oracles and sibyls. They essentially are both high priestesses, however, their lineage varies. An oracle was a regular woman who had these abilities and spiritual duty, whilst a sibyl was not only this, but also was a direct descendant from a god slash goddess or deity. They were pretty much demigoddesses. Therefore, Sibyls mainly only spoke to the people they needed to. They were there to change history, essentially. Because of this, they traveled quite often and would go far and wide to encounter themselves with specific individuals who were a key in history and the future. Now, it is believed that oracles were direct creations from Gaia. So what is Gaia? G, from which the name Gaia is derived, is from ancient Greek, meaning land and or earth. It is from Gaia that all things were made, and she was thought to be the deity that communicated with the original oracles. These oracles were living people known as Pythias, oracles and sibyls, often female-bodied, but not always. They were capable of deep receptivity and trance, and that allowed them to become a channel for the divine will. These oracles that once spoke amidst the Greco-Roman landscape belonged to the mythos of old Europe and the pre-pagan divine feminine. The modern region of Italy still runs rich and deep with sacred rivers, mountains, sanctuaries, temples and caves that were once inhibited with the ancient prophetic voices of old gods and goddesses. Although the power and destiny of feminine forces on earth 
and in the other worlds, has attempted to be stolen, abused, and destroyed multiple times, starting first with pagan and then Christian-based patriarchal rules. No matter how much these structures and laws try to usurp the power of divine feminines worldwide, the ritual arts and healing practices of the goddess culture continue to entwine with the changing culture, and forever will, in order to put humans back into alignment and a higher vibration. Some of the oldest written documentation about the oracles of the Mediterranean came from the divinatory practices of the temple priests and priestesses in Italy, Greece, Mesopotamia, Egypt, and Persia, among many other possible locations. They influenced and continue to influence all cultures and backgrounds, so no matter where you are from, chances are your culture was based and built upon the knowledge and divine order of these priestesses. For example, it is said that this long line of oracles actually originated in North Africa. A Greek tradition held that the Libyan goddess Lamia gave birth to the first Pythia or oracle, whom was fathered by Zeus. Lamia was called, and I quote, the first woman who chanted oracles, and they say that she was named Sibyl by the Libyans. This story accords with the other Greek accounts of North Africa settlements and cultural influence, as well as archaeological finds of archaic Greek vessels with human figurines painted in a Libyan style. The African influence is most dramatically reflected in the tradition called Black Doves, which founded the oracular shrine of Dodona. For 6,000 years or so, Africa was ruled by a powerful order of Sibyl matriarchs. They produced the world's first oracles, prophetess, and prophets, known as Pythonists. They worked their oracles in the black Egyptian colonies in ancient Greece, Rome, Turkey, Israel, Syria, and Babylon. Their holy temples were more numerous than the churches of today, and because of the introduction to Christianity and colonization, many Sibyls were enslaved and sold. Because of this, they were then witnessed alive in other countries as well. Yet they still managed to fulfill their destiny. Because of this, in ancient Rome, they first established the holy seat of the Vatican, advising the world's heads of state. Centuries before Christ, they cured epileptics, the blind, lepers, and casted out demons. It was a Sibyl who called up the spirit of Apostle Samuel. Their pagan prophecies were used by the emerging Roman papals to create a Western theological foundation, and this became the undisputed precursor for the Christian Bible. African women's religious history is finally being unearthed, exposing shocking revelations buried for more than 2,000 years. This last information I was very lucky and I am grateful to have found on the website that I linked in the description of this episode, in case you want to check it out yourself. Now that we have a glimpse of what their duties were, let's get into the oracles of the ancient world. Let's begin with who was known as the Libyan Sibyl. Yes, these priestesses had first names like everyone, but instead they were often differentiated or known by not only their job, but also the town they came from. The Libyan Sibyl, also known by her real name as Femono, was obviously a priestess that was said to be and work in the Siwa Oasis, which was located in the Libyan desert. Her father was none other than the god Zeus, and her mother was Lamia, daughter of Poseidon. She was mainly gifted with revealing what was to come in the future, therefore pretty much serving as a prophetess, specifically in between the 5th and 4th century BC. Not only this, but she's said to be the first woman to chant oracles, and therefore the initial Sibyl. Her most popular, I guess, engagement in history was when she confirmed that Alexander the Great, who built the Library of Alexandria in Egypt, was actually an Egyptian pharaoh. Not only this, but that he was a divine personage. Apart from this account, there isn't much on the Libyan Sibyl, I'm afraid, apart from her death. 
Now, the lack of information about her is not so surprising since when colonization began and the integration of Christianity became the norm, kings and popes were the first to order to burn not only the scriptures written by Serbals, but also they burned them too, alive. Kind of redundant, isn't it? They steal, bastardize and kill rather than accept that everyone can have an active role in society. But oh well. Number two, the Kumian Sibyl. Probably the most talked about Sibyl and the one who we have more information on, also known as Diphobe. She's said to be the daughter of Glaucus, who was a man turned sea god. She mainly was seen reside and work in Naples, where she played a very, very important role twice in the history of humanity, which I will now delve into. First, she's mainly recognized for the story of the acquisition of the Sibylline books, where she had written nine books, which were essentially oracles that had been uttered and then written, containing information about the future of the Kingdom of Rome. These had apparently had quite a long and treacherous journey because these particular books had been written in the time of Solon and Cyrus, yet had been passed down from Sibyl to Sibyl until they arrived into the hands of the Cumian Sibyl. She thought it best to travel to Rome and enter incognito and then sell these to one of the last seven kings of Rome, Tarquinius Superbus. She offered him the nine books initially for quite a high price. The king thought the price wasn't worth it, which is dumb, but okay. So she then proceeded to burn three of these right in front of him. <laughs> she then offered the remaining six, yet the king, being stubborn, refused to pay the full price. So, of course, she then burned three more and offered the remaining three to the king for the initial price of the nine books. For some reason, he decided that now was a good idea to accept the offer. These books were then securely kept in the hands of the Kingdom of Rome, of course, in a vault underneath the Capitoline Temple of Jupiter, and were only actually used in times of like crisis or to avert from catastrophes and religious punishments from the gods. The second time the Sibyl made an appearance was in Virgil's Ionide, here Virgil had seeked out this Sibyl in particular to ask for guidance and aid in order to enter and travel to the underworld to visit his father. The Sibyl agreed to help him and here's how he described her actions as a pillar between the world of the living and the world of the dead where a lot of liminality can be observed. The Cumian Sibyl prophesied by singing the fates and writing on oak leaves. These would be arranged inside the entrance of her cave but if the wind blew and scattered them she would not help to reassemble the leaves and recreate the original prophecy. The Sibyl in order to help Virgil guided him nearby the crater of Avernus. Here, she proceeded to show him the way into the underworld, yet warned Virgil that descending wasn't hard, but coming back up was where the difficulty lay. Number three, the Erythraean Sibyl. Coming from the town of Erythrae, she's said to have been a countrywoman who had prophesied none other than four things. The Trojan War, the destruction of the city of Troy, that Homer would write falsehoods, and last but certainly not least, her most famous prophecy, the coming of Jesus Christ. These were the main prophecies she had seen and then told, mainly through the use of acrostic poems, which is why she's often named the acrostic. Simultaneously, the use of this method of writing is also used to depict her in Christian iconography, where she is seen to write or read a prophecy. In this prophecy, you can see that she has spelled out the initials of the Messiah. Number four, the Persian Sibyl. Now, the Persian Sibyl is our last woman for this episode. She was known by three names apart from her title, of course. She was often described as the Babylonian, Hebrew, or Egyptian Sibyl, and is said to have had at least three names, which were Sambethi, 
Helriah and Sabah. This particular Sibyl is said to have been a descendant or the daughter of Noah, and her main mission had been to warn people of the future exploits of Alexander of Macedon. Now that we have explored a little of these beautiful and gifted women's lives, we can see a pattern throughout human history. Women of high order have in many, if not all, cultures been casted out, abused, and or simply killed for having higher knowledge and therefore power than other people. In particular, what I wanted to highlight here is the fact that there has been a bastardization of the power that women have uh, for a while, pretty much from the genesis of time. This, however, I've personally noticed wasn't as prevalent in the original cultures, and by that I mean ancient civilizations typically knew exactly what a woman's purpose was. She was the eyes, the all-knowing, the creator and destroyer. Therefore, this meant that without them, everything would pretty much fall to pieces. To a certain degree, I do feel like younger generations of children and young people are spiritually mature enough to comprehend that the weight that women hold on the creation of reality is incomparable. That there is no such thing as competition between genders and people, because essentially, we are all here to serve a purpose for the better and highest good for humanity. That is why I wanted to make this episode mainly to teach that respect between people has to be the basis of all relationships and that when women are in charge change is pretty much inevitable which may make some people afraid whilst others generally embrace this virtue so to all divine feminines out there that sometimes may feel kind of down or things are foggy at the moment uh, don't ever forget where you really came from for people who identify with more so the masculine aspect i would recommend leaning into your feminine side you know being vulnerable be content be compassionate and begin to also acknowledge the gifts you two have. Having a balance of all energies is, I think, key to mastering everything else. But when you realize you can be all and everything, this will really propel you to happiness, prosperity, and just eternal faith. So yeah, thank you ever so much for joining and listening to this beautiful yet short and sweet episode about the wonderful high priestesses. I hope you got some sort of idea of what gifts humans can hold and the authority that you have alongside these. I hope to see you back for the next one. Have a great week ahead and goodbye.